0: that was the culmination I think of our season that that last drive and ending in uh, a touchdown which I had the honor of of running up the backs of my my offensive line and scooting in um, really untouched into the end zone Um, and that (laughs) that was just a really good feeling um, to be part of that that drive that season, that team, um, and for that to be part of my senior experience, I can imagine uh, that uh, the 11 other seniors on the team at that game had a similar experience where uh, we couldn't have asked for a better ending to our University of Montana time.
1: Hello and welcome to Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary of the 2001 National Championship Grizzlies. I'm Coulter Nuanez of ESPN Missoula, proud to bring you the third rendition of our Grizz Greats podcast series. This one, a 20-episode podcast series with in-depth interviews with 20 members of the University of Montana's 2001 National Championship team. We'll catch up with players, coaches, members of the Missoula and Montana communities, and other pertinent observers of that historic National Championship, Montana's last football national title. In this episode, one of the all-time most famous Grizzlies, Johansson Humphrey. Humphrey came to Montana, out of Chuggyak High in Eagle River, Alaska. He was a two-way player that was initially slated to play cornerback for the Grizzlies. Instead, broke in the lineup as a running back and became one of the great running backs in the history of the Big Sky Conference. Humphrey still leads Montana in career rushing yards with 4,070 between 1998 and 2001. His 138 rushing yards per game in 2001 is a school record by a wide margin. His 1,658 yards during that national championship season, also a single season. Grizz record, and he is one of just four Grizz running backs with multiple 1,000-yard seasons in his career. Humphrey was phenomenal from start to finish during that 2001 season, but his 38-carry, 265-yard rushing effort against Weber State, one of the most iconic by a Grizz running back or a Big Sky Conference running back in the history of Division I AA football. From Eagle River, Alaska, to All-American honors at Montana, and a national championship ring, without further ado, Grizz Greats with Johanse Humphrey. Well, one of my favorite parts about the podcast series we put together here, both at ESPN Missoula, as well as Skyline Sports, is my ability to catch up with guys who I looked up to when I was a young kid or a teenager, adolescent, whatever. I think that it's important to remember how much influence these guys can have on you when you are a kid. Uh, But this 2001 Grizz Greats podcast series we're putting together, this was right in the heart of it for me. I was uh, 14 years old in 2001 and uh, definitely super, super into both Grizz and Big Sky Conference football as a whole. So it's sort of thrilling for me now as a 34 year old man here 20 years later catching up with a lot of these guys we're happy now to welcome into Grizz Greats one of my all-time fa- favorite players when I was a kid Johansi Humphrey is running back for the 2001 Grizz a senior on that team that season the greatest rushing season in the history of the University of Montana still to this day 1,658 yards uh, on the ground as well as 17 rushing touchdowns and that helped Humphrey end his career as the all-time leading rusher in school history with 4,070 yards so pretty cool and uh, really appreciate you taking the time Johansi how you doing?
0: It's good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, thanks for inviting me on.
1: Well, we'll start with the here and now. Just tell people what you're up to, where are you at in the world and what's been going on with Johansi Humphrey lately?
0: Well, first off, after graduating from the, the U, I um, went back home and got my master's in, in social work and been using that to um, work with folks. And uh, kind of support their dreams and so forth. And that's led me to Colorado. Well, first Phoenix, um, after Alaska, uh, then Colorado, and then finally Reno, Nevada, working at the VA here, working with our veterans um, in our mental health service.
1: Well, very cool. I think is there some crossover there because I feel like oh, there is a fair amount of football guys that go into uh, social work and want to help others. So, is there any parallel there? Sort of learning how to work with the team, but also helping out your teammates, and then gravitating into a life where you are serving others.
0: I would I would say so. Um, I think inherent in kind of the team atmosphere is the the desire to want to work with another person or a group of people. And really push each other to find each other's potential um, and kind of figure out what makes each other tick in order to meet the mutual goal or, you know, or endpoint for for whoever the group or the individual is. Um, And so with that, you know, and being in on the football field in practice with your with your teammates, you you learn about what it takes, uh, the dynamics that make a good team, the dynamics that um, are necessary to you know, push each other. And so um, I think for me, it was somewhat of a natural shift uh, to enter the helping profession and, uh, and support others as I was supported and supported others on the football field
1: we'll get into some of those awesome memories from your time, specifically at the University of Montana. But the question I always ask everybody first, to, uh, uh, except for what, you, what are you up to, is always, how does it feel that this has been 20 years? I mean, it seems like just yesterday and probably a lifetime ago all at the same time. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely, Colter. Um, 20 years, uh, it, it went by in a flash. Um, but as I, you know, got the invite to, to, the, um, to the 20th anniversary, Of the national championship, um, you know, was reflecting back, and it was a long time (laughs) ago. Um, And as I look in the mirror, it was a long time ago. (laughs) Um, And uh, you know, I have an eight-year-old little daughter uh, with my wife Ann, and um, she's definitely put uh, put some age, some uh, some tread on me. But it's it's all been fun and worthwhile. Wouldn't have changed it for the world. Um, but uh, I, I definitely feel the 20 years, absolutely.
1: Well, let's talk about even longer than 20 years ago. Let's talk about when you were growing up in Eagle River, Alaska. First and foremost, when people think of Alaska, they think of the wilderness, the wild unknown, hunting, fishing, skiing, maybe some hiking, not a lot of times football. So when did football first land on your radar? When did that first become a passion of yours, a pursuit of yours, as you're growing up in a place where maybe not a lot of guys make it out to the Division One level?
0: Well, it, it actually did start in Alaska. Um, I grew up uh, a soccer player since the age of, I think, four or five when I was playing in Cal- uh, California. And when we got to Alaska, my mom came home from the PX um, on base with a flyer for for football, somewhat like a, a Pop Warner League uh, on the base and so forth. And at the age of 10, uh, I started playing ball there, um, and the rest is history.
1: What first captured your attention about football? What did you love about it?
0: Um, the fact that I was really good at it. Um, One of my favorite games was tag. um, And it seemed that football was just a huge game of tag. And nobody was able to catch me and or touch me. The added leverage of being able to, you know, run into other people (laughs) when they tried to tackle you um, was a big rural, um, you know, big attraction to me. You know, I was never one to run away from, from contact. Of course, I want to avoid it at all costs, but, um, if it's between that person and myself, I'm going to hit you, make you feel me. So, um, yeah, it was just a big game of tag. And I loved, I loved the, the challenge, um, and the thrill of making people
1: miss one of my favorite basketball players to study is Akeem Olajuwon and Olajuwon was there's been guys that of his size but there's been very few guys of his size with his grace and he has a fascinating uh-huh. story as a guy who grew up in Africa was very late to the sport uh, but was phenomenal at soccer when he was a kid and he always talked about that was the thing that gave him that grace that footwork that lateral, lateral mobility spatial awareness all that and you thinking about it it makes sense to me now you were a soccer player because you were so good with your feet in the hole and so good laterally so do you think it influenced you think your soccer background sort of influenced your football skill?
0: Absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt, and unknowingly so, right? Uh, the God-given abilities that I was blessed with along with that early tutelage on the soccer field um, and being able to develop that hand-eye-feet coordination absolutely was instrumental in my success on the football field.
1: let talk about when you first started realizing that playing at the college level might be an option. When did you first realize that? And, and who were the first to come to the table, both for maybe Montana, maybe other schools as well, in terms of recruiting to sort of let you open that door and know that you could play college football? It started becoming something of a
0: thing, right? Um, I think my junior year. Actually, no, yeah, it was my junior year um, in high school. Uh, I was a sophomore on the, on the varsity team. Um, I was out there as wide receiver, kickoff return, punt return. Um, and made a splash, you know, as a sophomore on the varsity team. And then that next year um, transitioned to running back. Uh, an, an alma mater from UM was one of our coaches, and he um, spoke to um, Jerome Sowers, and, who was defensive coordinator at the time. And that's kind of how I got introduced to the University of Montana. Sowers actually came, came up to Alaska and Um, visited me and my family up there. But prior to that, I was getting, you know, that year, um, my senior year, I was getting, you know, recruitment letters from uh, Washington, Nebraska, Oregon, Oregon State, just to, you know, just some of those general recruiting letters and so forth, interested in you and, you know, hope you have a good senior season and so forth. Um, But that year, uh, about three, four weeks into it, um, I tore my meniscus and, um was out for a good four or five weeks before I was able to finish the season and those letters ended up you know drying up and or transitioning to um still interested in you walking on to to the team yada 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 but at that point, you know I wanted to go to school, but I wasn't able to walk on anywhere I wasn't going to be able to you know pay tuition and so forth so when when montana came knocking, asking me to be a defensive, you know, defensive back, cornerback. I was all for it. (laughs) Um, You know, I'd be on scholarship, have a chance to play ball. And, you know, at that point in time, I didn't know much about, you know, the history of University of Montana. It was the first that I was introduced to the University of Montana, but I soon quickly realized uh, the big, the big shoes that uh, I as a player on the Grizzlies was, was filling, you know, in terms of the the history that, that comes with the school.
1: Well, that's a great story because I had no idea that you came as a defensive back. I only ever remember you as a running back. So I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit. But let's talk about what you just were saying, though. The fact is, when you first came to Montana, Montana was in the midst of the ascension. They had won the '95 national championship, in '96 they went back to the national championship game, and then uh, you and your class come to campus over the next two years. Sort of remember just about the level of expectation and how that influenced the way that you went about your day to day, that you went about your your preparation and all that sort of stuff. We Remember about just being a part of a program that did that had established sort of sky high national championship level expectations. Coming
0: in um, as a freshman um, on the coattails really of that '95 championship, um, and then coming in on campus, what happened after that '95 season was there were there was so much attention and so many great players. Um, you know, one that stood out to me uh, was Crevo. Uh, you know. Um, uh, i believe jason crebo he was a uh, he had i think the number thirty seven at the time linebacker and just really um a legend on the defensive side of the ball you had uh brian iott uh as as um as quarterback uh you had oh gosh i can't uh, can't recall uh the the running back that was there he was twenty one but there was just these these huge shadows that these, these players were casting. Um, and coming onto campus, I remember um, I was part of a recruitment visit along with Atu Molden. So him and I were on the same recruitment visit, both offensive-minded. You know, we came from our high schools very much offensive-minded, but recruited as defensive players. And so I just remember coming on campus for the first time, and, you know, stepping in to the locker room, stepping into those team meetings, um, going onto the field with these, these players that were, were coming from this legendary status of the 95 uh, season um, and all the history, um, the lore that comes with, you know, following up a championship um, and the expectations about this is a championship-minded team, you know, Um, and so I, I think, you know, and, you know, I, I can speak for myself, but I would imagine that the, the other 12, uh, you know, seniors, you know, that were part of the 2001 team kind of came in during that same time and had that same type of feeling, um, of expectation and excitement and, um, about wanting to be part of that, right that that legend that that history that war and i know that's something that was continuously kind of pushing me it wasn't something kind of at the forefront of my mind but it was definitely something that was there and i remember you know otto and i had the opportunity to be part of the offensive scout team that that spring practice after our fresh our redshirt freshman year and he was scout team receiver, I was scout team running back and I was going up now against the those legends on the defense. And you know, I I remember watching, you know, from the stands my redshirt freshman year and watching the intensity, the tenacity, the aggression from the defensive side of the thing, um, very similar to what our defense is now. And that's what I really, really appreciate about watching uh, the Grizz on the football field now is their, their, their tenacity on the defensive side of the ball. But that was something that kind of stuck with me as uh, as, long as, as I was watching them. Now I'm in the backfield. My, my role, right, as scout team running back, <laughs> is to give them my best, um, make a miss, make it difficult for them, right as the opposing team, and and do my thing. And I think that opportunity allowed me to really face any fears that I had, any any doubts that I had in terms of my own ability, uh, knowing that I was going up against these great these greats uh, that came before before me and I gave them the business, right. It was, uh, I remember oftentimes, uh, you know, first team defense would give me, give me the business right when they could. Um, and then, you know, walking back to the locker rooms, they would, you know, continue to give me the business. Right. And let me know that I was still, still a youngin, Um, and that I was, that I had gotten lucky and, you know, tomorrow is another day and so forth and so on. So that, um, that experience, like I said, I think laid a foundation that despite the, the, the greatness of the war that came with the University of Montana Grizzly football team, I was able to be that, right? At least initially. You know, I, 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 I had what it took to, to, to face that defense um, and I was good enough to, to make some plays here and there. That always, you know, stayed with me. Um, every year after that, that it was it was about meeting expectations, and expectations year after year kept on growing, right? As the lore of this up and coming class started to develop, and we, you know, m- were making it to the conference championship. We were making it to national championships. We were beating, you know, Division One A schools, be it Idaho, <laughs> but nonetheless. It was the, the expectation grew, and I think I found as a common factor with all of the guys on the team, this is what we expected of ourselves. We, we came up, like I said, on the coattails of, of those legends coming from the 95 team and, and onward. We we embraced the opportunity to be part of the history of the University of Montana, and not only the the winning history, but the history of tenacity of, of aggression, of winning as a team uh, and winning together and doing what it took on and off the field to, to make it to the end of the game, to the end of the season as winners.
1: It's fascinating what you just said, because I've covered the Grizz now professionally for 15 years, and uh, there was a moment in time, I I guess a significant moment in time, where Montana wasn't quite as good as they were uh, for the dominant era. Between 93 and 2009, Montana was unbelievable, and then the last 10 years, good, but nowhere near what they once were, and there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think what you just said was the missing factor. I think a lot of times, there wasn't the hierarchy. There wasn't the you had to prove yourself on scout team first before you could break in the lineup. There wasn't that, the shadows of the guys that came before you, like you talk about, I think uh, a lot of times complacency and and apathy, those things infiltrate all elements of our society, and you just wonder, I think Montana was bringing in some high-level recruits, a lot of guys that maybe expected to play as freshmen. That was never a thing at Montana. For a good 20 years, you had to earn your way onto the field. So it's interesting, because I do think that the demand of excellence and the demand of playing together, playing hard, playing aggressively like you're talking about, that was the thing that was missing for a long time, but it seems like that was something that was commonplace for the group of guys before you, the group of guys you were with, and the group of guys after you as well. So it seems like it has a lot of carryover to it, as long as it maintains and is still instilled in everybody within the program.
0: Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, let's talk about, I have several different things I want to talk to you about, but first and foremost, because there was so much success at that time, there was also a lot of overturn in coaches. I know you had multiple head coaches. You also had multiple offensive coordinators. I'm sure you probably had multiple position coaches as well. You know, you mentioned Coach Sowers. He's become a good source of mine. a a guy I always love catching up with, but he left a couple years after recruiting you down from Alaska to take the job at NAU, but that was just one of a lot of the coaches that that moved on. So what did you think of that element? How are you guys able to handle that? Because a lot of times that can be something that derails programs, but it didn't seem to derail Montana whatsoever. didn't really matter who was coming and going in the coaching ranks. The Grizz still continued to win.
0: Yeah, that was an interesting phenomenon, right? I think, you know, a lot of teams go through coaches and you see it impacting teams in, in different ways. That was, I think, you, the, I think, the unique thing about our team, um, at least the, the class that I came in with, was we, as, I think as redshirt freshmen, we had um, Mick Dennehy. And we, you know, were able to kind of look from afar, see how he was coaching and so forth and so on. Um, but then he ended up, you know, leaving soon after. And we kind of came in with uh, a new cadre of uh, of coaches. And then you started to see um, that the inflow and outflow, you know, influx and out, outflow of, of coaches and so forth. But it wasn't ever about the... That for us, I I mean, at least for me, and I think what helped us get past that phenomenon was I think we knew who we were as a team, right? The players knew who we were and what we wanted to be as a team, Um, and the coaches came in and, you know, polished us to to be the, the team that we aspired to be. Um, I, and, and I think it, it came down to the individual players that, uh, that were part of, part of my class, right? Like I said, we knew what we, what we were, and we, we, we were winners, but we weren't winning at the University of Montana, right? And so I think the, those, those big shoes to fill, right, us wanting to step up to the plate and meet expectations, you know, um, you know, one of the things that you that it's hard not to not to notice and not to feel when you step into Missoula is it's about the Grizz, right? And so we we're, we weren't going to be a team that people didn't remember, that wasn't going to be part of that that Montana lore. And like I said, I think each each individual in the class that I that I came in on, with. Uh, which was what ninety seven the class of ninety seven wanted the same thing we all had the same mission, we all had the same goal, and that was to win. We were all i think also humble enough to recognize that we couldn't win without leadership and While you know players we we have um a connection, it was the the coaches that brought us all together, um, polished us, and made sure that our, our aspirations were matched by our ability, um, and that was only through practice and commitment, um, film study, you know, holding each other accountable, holding ourselves accountable. So, like, like I said, um, it was, it was a, a unique situation that could have derailed um, a lot of teams, but I think the, the spirit of, of the team wouldn't have allowed that to to occur regardless of of the situation
1: well, as you continue to get older, then you break in the lineup, and uh, now you have great success both individually, and the team continues to have great success as well. But do you remember, before we get into the 2000 and 2001 seasons, which were sort of the pivotal moments of both your career and that run, do you remember just what the acclimation process was like for you when you first started actually playing in games, and, and maybe what your, your welcome to college moment might have been, or you know, just a, maybe a memory from when you first broke into the lineup and were actually you know, the guy as the running back at the University of Montana? To be honest with you, Colter,
0: No. I, um, I, it, there wasn't kind of a moment in time. Um, I think if if I were to whittle it down to to one moment, it was the moment where I went in in place of Nate Sanders, the the, the senior running back uh, for the Grizz at that moment in time. And and it wasn't really something that I thought about in the moment as like this is my moment. I got to do something with this you know, in order for me to, to kind of stake my claim on this position. I think at that moment I, I went in um, and my mentality was do what I do, right? Um, do the best that I can, run the right play, <laughs> make people miss, and benefit the team, right? Um, it wasn't about beating Nate at, at that point. It, like, it, it's never been that about me. Um, and I think that moment when I was asked to go in, I wasn't asked, I was told <laughs> to to go in um, and run the rock. Like they say, when you're in the zone, everything kind of just melts away and you're super hyper-focused. And so the roar of the crowd went away. The enormity for me in that moment disappeared. And it was just me trusting the process, right? Trusting myself, trusting my teammates, trusting the coaches, and allowing my skill and ability to take over.
1: Well, and you can allow your skill and ability to take over when you have great skill and ability like you do, but also when you have uh, one of the most formidable offensive lines that the league has seen blocking for you. I know that came to Absolutely. a fever pitch during your senior year with a, a Montana-born group. Everybody was from in-state, but just talk about those guys a little bit just as a whole because I'm sure you came up with them, probably had a lot of trust in them, and uh, they probably helped your acclimation process pretty darn well as well because those uh, late 90s, early 2000s, Grizz offensive lines, some of the best the Big Sky Conference has seen.
0: I would say the best, yep. you know, so from my perspective. They were absolutely integral in our team's success on the offensive side of the ball um, and my, my, my success as a running back. Without those big guys in front of me um, and the nastiness of those big guys, skill of those big guys, and without them, right, and their trust in me to To do what I do, right, um, and continue to you know maintain their blocks downfield. You know, one of one of the greats, Thatcher, Thatcher's delay, um, is one who continues to kind of run through my mind constantly. Um, you know, in terms of you know, I, every, I catch myself thinking about him every once in a while, and uh, it was just interesting to, to kind of. Hear him, um, I think it was him talking about kind of uh, the end of the road, you know in terms of the NFL and they had a the chance to kind of go through his history um, at the u and so, yeah, I just loved running behind him because i I trusted that he was just going to blow up everybody um, in front of him, mcFarland right uh, was another one, and I mean their influence uh on my my career at the u. Is unparalleled. Without them, there there is no Johanse in the record books. Um, there isn't the, the the throttling that we put on many opponents because of their protection of our quarterbacks, giving them the time to 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 pass the ball downfield to our great receivers. And I mean, that's that's just you know talking about this just really reminds me and emphasizes the the caliber of player that. We had at literally every position, and we weren't just one deep, right? We were multiple deep, and not just on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defense, um, our defensive line, killer linebackers, killer defensive backs, killer, right, smart, tenacious, and just, again, the, the whole package. It was, it was really a blessing, to, to be part of that team, right? Um, it's something that I kind of reflect on every once in a while, right? It, it, it comes up and uh, something will like, hey, you know, Johanse this, Johanse that. And if you boil it all down, it was the team. There was no Johanse without the team. And so it it's just was really a, a blessing um, to be part of that, that team and, and that group of guys coming in with with a like mind a like mentality willing to to pay the cost to go big or go home it, it was just it was just a great great atmosphere to be part of
1: well, your junior year certainly set the table for your senior year, but we have to talk about that for a brief moment. Joe Glenn comes in as the head coach, and I believe as the the legend goes, I think you guys lost his very first game to Hofstra in Missoula, and then uh, there was the urban legend of him having a for sale sign in his yard, but then you guys didn't lose again for months at a time all the way until the national championship game. But what do you remember about that 2000 season? What are your indelible memories from that time, and, and how much do you think that year and that finish uh, with that loss to Georgia Southern in the national championship game sort to set the table for 2001
0: we came in all business right there was there was no question about the mission there was i think in in 2000 right there was like the 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 season went along and we were like oh man yeah this is this is really happening this is this is our goal right this is you know we're we're making we're making it to the national championship right we've 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 gotten through big sky we are a force to be reckoned with. We can do this, right? And then we get to that game, and you know, we don't, uh, we don't, uh, we don't win. Um, and so, with 2001, we come in, and we already know who we are. We know that there were things in that 2000 national championship game that got exposed, and we needed to shore those up. We did. That was our mission. Right. Our mission was to get back to the national championship and to reclaim what was rightfully ours. And so coming in business, business like with the same mind, same mentality, and really taking it one game at a time and getting getting, you know, putting our work in daily uh, and getting getting the business done. Um, it just uh, and and I think what what's funny is. That you know the, the class that I came in with, I just remember the mentality of work hard, play hard right and and that's what two thousand one was right we we worked hard, but we played hard as well um, and so and I think that just added to our, our team chemistry and dynamic is that we weren't just a team off of the or on the field we were we were a team off the field right um, and I think Things just worked out perfectly um, in 2001, lending itself to the culmination of, of winning that national championship.
1: It's so often that you see this, especially in football but in sports, where you you fall just short, and that is a motivating factor, and then it's almost like, not a foregone conclusion, that's the wrong way to state it, but that uh, it it forms teams of destiny when they fall just short and then get get another chance to run it back, and uh, it sounds exactly like that was the dynamic, but even though retrospectively that 2001 team went 15-1, and it wasn't all easy. You guys had some games where you really had to get it out, a win over Eastern Washington in overtime, a win over Idaho in overtime, and also probably a game we have to talk about with you as well, great win over Weaver State in which you set the school record for rushing yards in a single game with 265. But just take us through uh, maybe what you do remember from that 2001 season specifically and, and what was the defining factor that helped you guys get over the top especially in some of those games where teams were giving you their best shot.
0: Well that was exactly it. We knew coming in that everyone was gunning for us. That everyone was going to be giving us their best shot. Essentially every game was a national championship, right? That's how we had to to address it. And I don't think without those those challenges, those specific games that we either fell behind at and we had to, you know, push to to get get the lead, or our defense had to make a big stop um, or get a turnover. You know, those are those are the defining moments of the season, right? Because without those, you know, we were. Still, just a team striving to to get to the end of the game, right? With with a bigger score <laughs> than the other team, and I think it it really played itself out in against Furman in that national, you know, in that national championship. It, it was a dogfight, right? Winning what thirteen to six. That's right. right. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't pretty, and that's the type of game that. We were being prepared for, would we have liked it to be you know a smooth sail absolutely right who who wouldn't like you know a red carpet laid out to the national championship, but i don 't think without those wins um we would have we we would have uh we would have found ourselves behind the eight ball i think um in the national championship, even if even, and that's saying if we got there right it gave us. The, the will, it, 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 I think it forged in us the will and the tenacity to, to get to the finish line. Um, and I think it made it that much more sweet, to be honest with you. Like you said, it was business as usual in the beginning. You were, you know, I, I think it would have been easy, and, and maybe we might have slipped mentally into that, that thought process in our own minds of this is a foregone conclusion. We know how good we, we are so let's just go into the game and do what we do, right? Um, but because we were pushed, because we lost that first game, you know, reality set in, you know, real, real quick. Um, and then we, we kept on getting challenged, getting everyone's best shot. And I think it just brought to the forefront what was on the line. And it kind of came back to that, that whole expectation thing. We knew the expectation. It came from, like you had said, growing up in the system, filling those big shoes, knowing what it took to meet those expectations. And now we, we have to meet our own expectations. And so we set that up for ourselves. And so if we, if we would have fallen short, um, it would have been heartbreaking, right, because we were letting ourselves down um, and the, the expectations that we had set for ourselves, um, knowing also that we would have let the school, the community, you know, down and so forth. So uh, it was, it just, it, you know, looking back, it's kind of like a storybook, you know, storybook ended. You got your drama, you got your highs, your lows. And at the end, we got that shiny ring.
1: Well, before we get into the last part of this, which would be that championship game and then the ensuing celebration of accomplishment that came after, I got to ask you just about some of your teammates. First and foremost, tell me about the defense because I always find it fascinating who the guys on offense watch defensively and vice versa. I know a lot of times you are you know, on the board with the coaches or whatever, but you do get a fair amount of, of observation time when you aren't on the field. So wh- what do you remember specifically about that Grizz defense? What guys do you remember as sort of carrying the day for you guys during that t- 2001 season?
0: Who Who don't? You know, who who did right. carry, carry us, right? Um, I mean, there were there was days where the offense was, was lacking, right? Or um, we weren't, we, we didn't have the timing or, or something was off. And so we relied heavily on the defense. I mean, I think the defense is kind of the, the heart and soul um, of the Grizz. And I, I don't know, I just kind of from my perspective, you know, coming in as a freshman, that's that that's what i saw that that was the impression that 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 i walked away with was that the defense was the heart and soul of the team and the offense was <laughs> the shiny clothes, <laughs> you know, that, that, that made that, that were the kind of the first impression. Um, and, you know, if you, if you look good, you know, you feel good and so forth and, and you get attention for that and so forth. And so there was a lot to be said about, you know, having uh, a great prolific offense um, and getting recognized for it. But there was many times where we won the game because of our defense. And so, you know one name that stands out, and that's just because of um, our relationship during that time uh, Matt Matt Steinau um, he was my roommate uh, for the the senior my senior year, um, I think junior and senior year, and he was just a beast um, as a linebacker, just remembering you know sitting on the sideline um, and really. Having faith that the defense was going to was going to do something, right? Either have a big stop or take the ball away. It was it was that kind of mentality that I had, right? It was it was it was more like I was surprised when they didn't. <laughs> I was like, oh man. Um, and then you have you know Calvin Coleman um, uh, and and Vince Huntsberger, Trey Young, um, Dan Orzadie. Uh, you know all these guys on the defensive side of the ball, just killing it, killing the off, killing the offense. And you know it's it's it was it's been fun to to watch games on ESPN uh, lately because it just it brings me back watching the defense and and its tenacity. You know to get to the ball carrier that uh, it brings me back um, and just uh, really puts a smile on my face. I I love seeing that um, and it's 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 somewhat strange as an offensive-minded person, <laughs> you know, saying that I love watching the defense, but I do. I love watching the Grizzlies, football defense.
1: Well, you guys attained the number one ranking in the country when you won at Idaho State, 32-28, and then held on to that number one ranking, going all the way down through, beating Weber, winning in Bozeman at Montana State, playing that Idaho game which on a week that was supposed to be a bye after the makeup from September 11th, and then big victories over Northwestern State, Sam Houston State, and Northern Iowa to earn yourselves a second straight trip to that national championship game. Uh, And then in the national championship game, a defensive slugfest to be sure, but the defense certainly carried the day. So, yo, what do you remember about the playoff run, and what do you remember about that victory? Victory in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That was probably a hell of a celebration, especially since he came up just short the year before.
0: Well, I think about the playoff run, it, we had a moment to breathe, and then it was the, kind of the season all over again. <laughs> right? Just truncated. Um, it, we, we couldn't rest on our laurels, right? It was, we had to kind of restart the engine again and, and keep that momentum going into the playoffs. Who did we play? The, who do we play in the playoffs? Remind me of that
1: Uh Northwestern
0: uh, State isn't in the yet. first round, Sam What's Houston that?
1: State in the quarters and then Northern Iowa in the semis
0: and, and they, we were all we were always at home. We always that's right that, at home that, for that, the, home the duration the yep and that that that's key, right Because anybody who comes into Washington's, Washington Grizzly Stadium can't escape <laughs> Washington Grizzly Stadium that's right. <laughs> Um, and and it, and it's not just because of the, the ten foot you know concrete walls that uh, surround the stadium. It's because of the fans that make Washington Grizzly Stadium what it is. Uh, it is absolutely pandemonium. It's super hard to win there um, because of the noise, uh, because it ver- you know reverberates uh, off of those walls and off of those uh, the high stadium seating. Um, and with, and and once you fall behind or the momentum is lost as an opposing team, it's really, really difficult, if not impossible to regain it at Washington stadium, Washington Grizzlies stadium. So it was, it was again, business as usual. What was, what was the end score of Sam Houston?
1: The uh, Sam Houston game. Let me see. Oh, here we go. Uh, Sam Houston. (laughs) You guys beat them 49, 24.
0: What was the halftime score?
1: Oh, man, I don't know if I can get the halftime, but uh, I think that it was definitely an avalanche in the second half of that game for sure.
0: And so, I mean, that's what I'm talking about, right? You have a score of 49 to 24. So, at some point, either they gave up and we just kept on rolling or we just killed them, right? Um, And I think that really set a tone for us um, that – we, we, were, we were on the right track. We were doing the right things in practice. We had stayed committed throughout the season, um, and that was just validation for us. And then the, the next game, what, what, was the, what was the score in that one? Boat race, 38 race. nothing Lord over North, 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 North Iowa. 38-0, Jesus, right. So, I mean, that just says it all, right, 38-0. Again, our defense, our offense, our home field advantage, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to win, um, but it really feels good <laughs> to, to win in front of the, your home fans um, with such you know convincing wins as well. And that, 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 I think, left us feeling really good um, going in uh, to the national championship. With that, with that being said, you know, the challenge then is then to travel, right? Travel to Tennessee um, and – it wasn't great weather, as I recall. Um, it was a sloppy field again. It was the second time that we had been there, so that made it nice, right? Because it was exactly the same. We, and so we, it, it was an away game, as so, of course traveling, to play, you know, has a toll on on playing, and so forth in your preparation. But when we get there, it's it's the same. <laughs> You know, so we were somewhat kind of at home, right? Because we had just been there uh, last year. We had been fighting all season long to get back there. And now that we finally had, we were, again, business as usual. And that was, I think, another uniqueness about our team is being able to flip that switch, right? That, that, uh, when, it, when it's time to play, absolutely, that's what we're going to do. But when it's time to work, we're gonna do it. We can we can flip that switch. Um, and I think the conditions had something to do with uh the the gameplay a bit. Um but with our ability to, to run the ball and play off uh with our you know, play off the short pass was integral, right? And then the defense getting that huge stop at the end of the game to seal to it for us. Um and, and, and I believe it was, they, they only, their, their, their six points came at the end of the game.
1: Last play of the game.
0: Right. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you know, we, 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 we pretty much controlled that game. Um, and it was because uh, of, our, of our defense and the, the ability to possess the ball the way that we did. It was just a good feeling. It was it was a really good feeling to play that game um, and and to play it the way that we did. It, it might you know the, the score might have felt and, and it, or shown to be kind of a maybe a defensive minded game or kind of an ugly game I guess. But for me, playing out there, I think uh, you know our, our scoring drive started on inside our own what five yard line or something like that. Something crazy. That's right. So. So, you know, it, that, that was kind of the, the cherry on the Sunday, really. It just, that was the culmination, I think, of our season. That, that last drive and ending in uh, a touchdown, which I had the honor of, of running up the backs of my, my offensive line and scooting in um, really untouched into the end zone. Um, and it, that, <laughs> that was just a really good feeling um, to be part of that, that drive, that season, that team, um, and for that to be part of my senior experience. I can imagine uh, that the, the 11 other seniors on the team at that game had a similar experience where uh, we couldn't have asked for a better ending to our University of Montana time.
1: It seems like just yesterday and a lifetime ago that the University of Montana last claimed a football national championship. 20 years ago, the Grizz rolled to their second national title in seven years behind a Montana-made roster featuring some of the most memorable figures in the history of the Grizz. While much has changed with the Montana program and much has changed about Missoula, the one thing that hasn't changed is the trust folks around Montana can have in First Security Bank. First Security Bank has long been one of the fiercest supporters of the University of Montana and its awesome sports teams. And First Security Bank is proud to support Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary of Montana's 2001 National Champions, a 20-part podcast series with interviews and memories from that unforgettable run by the Grizz two decades ago. First Security Bank, proud supporters ESPN Missoula and the Grizz Greats podcast series. Well, just two more questions for you, yo. We appreciate you sharing so many memories. This has been awesome. First of all, what was the best part about the celebration, the aftermath, uh, when you guys did finally secure it and uh, you secured the last national championship the University of Montana has taken home? What do you remember just about the celebration and what it was like being a national champion back in Missoula?
0: Oh, it was surreal, right? It was surreal. Um, I just, I just re- I remember kind of that, that moment of stepping what I remember is I I went back and to, to the time that I was recruited on that recruiting visit and what I took away, like what my first impression was um, of like, wow, like this isn't a joke, you know, like they're, they're, this is huge. This is real. Right. Um, This isn't just a lollipop team and you know, where I get to play football and, and go to school for free. This is, this means something, right? And so, fast forward to that moment of of winning the national championship and bringing that back to Missoula was really it was surreal, and just an honor, really, to be part of such such legends um, that the University of Montana fostered. To be part of that, just to have my name, you know, as as part of that 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 tag of 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 great players and you know i think the the honor was really being part of having that 2001 championship class being honored right going into the hall of fame um it was just it was just surreal it was what a relief (laughs) what a relief and to know that we we did what we set out to accomplish and um I don't know if many people get to have that feeling, right, it, where they set out to do something, and despite the challenges, the barriers, the, the naysayers, they get to the moment they succeed. They, they accomplish their goal. It was, it was a special moment, I think, for, for everyone that was part of that team um, knowing kind of where we came from, um, you know, specifically losing such a close game, tough, tough fought game uh, in 2000, and and coming away just short, and then getting to that point again, having somewhat of a of a similar type game, right, where it was fought in the trenches, and and coming out victorious, just it's just a super honor to be part of that. Absolutely.
1: Well, last question for you, then, yo. Have you considered just the way that this experience, you coming from Eagle River, Alaska to the University of Montana and, and reaching the ultimate goal of winning a national championship and being a pivotal part of that national championship, have you considered the way that that's influenced your life? And if so, how? How, how has your experience at Montana set the stage for now, Johansi Humphrey? since you've been at, at Montana in Missoula?
0: How has it influenced my life? How has it not <laughs> influenced my life? Um, the mere fact that... I got to go to school on scholarship, have the opportunity to graduate with a bachelor's degree, set a foundation for me. Football was, and, and my success on the football field was cherry on, on, on the Sunday. But without without going to the University of Montana and graduating um, with a degree, I I wouldn't be where I am today, right? It allowed me to Put that on paper, you know. After I returned back to Alaska, I was able to put that that work that I that I you know spent uh, in the classroom, which is another story in and of itself. Um, but the work that I put into to the classroom to to end you know to leave with the bachelors set set the foundation for me to then build upon, um, and like i said the cherry on the sundae was the accolades that i could put on my resume um which from an employer's point of view would indicate that i was a team player that i knew how to succeed that i had you know a winner's attitude um but also one who wanted to support others in building Something Um, and so you know, as a supervisor now, you know, I'm looking at resumes all the time and interviewing people, and so I'm looking for these these intangibles that um, I feel that were were forged in me. You know, I I might have had some of those intangibles um, already, but they hadn't been polished. Absolutely not. Um, And without the experience um, and the experiences that I had throughout my life and in college the trials, the tribulations the successes the the accomplishments definitely in- instrumental in in where I find myself, and the fact that you know you know where my life has you know, led uh, after returning home you know I had to i didn't have to, but you know my now wife encouraged me to go get my master's degree. And that, that was, that was huge for me Um, without that push, right. Without the ability to be coached, (laughs) um, I wouldn't have had kind of the mindset at that point in time. And, and, you know, and as the longer you stay out of school, the harder it is to get, kind of get back into that mindset or being willing to get back into that mindset and, and make another run to, you know, improve upon your, your knowledge base. And so, without that push, you know, which came from the fact that I entered into uh, a position um, at a psychiatric hospital, right? And she was uh, a clinician. Um, I was just a floor tech at the time. And so without that, that bachelor's degree, I would not have met my wife, um, who would not have pushed me to get my master's degree. And without the foundation of, of what was built in Missoula, and I wouldn't have had the tenacity to, to, to get through that master's degree and then go into the field uh, of social work uh, and being a clinician myself, working with families, working with kids um, in the beginning, and then now supervising, running programs, developing programs, developing teams, and building something, and building something that's based off of a mutual mission, a mutual goal, and knowing how to how to do that with with people, that was all all started. Um, I think that that year '97, when I came and stepped onto the to the campus of the University of Montana.
1: Well, yo, this has been outstanding, amazing stories, awesome perspective, and a thrill for me as somebody that really loved you growing up. My whole life in Missoula, appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for being a part of Grizz Grace, the 20th anniversary of the 2001 national champions, and uh, hopefully everything moving forward goes well. We appreciate you spending so much time with us here today.
0: Uh, Absolutely, Colter. I really appreciate you reaching out um, and and asking if I if I would do this. It's been an honor uh, and a pleasure, and. A real fun time to kind of go down memory lane with you. Um, So I appreciate the questions. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, allow me to walk that, that road again.